0: Welcome to the Lend Academy Podcast, episode number two hundred fourteen. This is your host, Peter Renton, founder of Lend Academy and co-founder of the Lendit Fintech Conference. Today's episode is sponsored by LendIt Fintech USA, the world's largest fintech event dedicated to lending and digital banking. It's happening on May 13th and 14th, 2020 at the Javits Center in New York. Lending and banking are converging and LendIt Fintech immerses you in the most important trends of the day. Meet the people who matter, learn from the experts and get business done. LendIt Fintech, lending and banking connected. Go to LendIt.com USA to register. Today on the show, I'm delighted to welcome Sathwan Shah. He is the CEO and founder of PayActive. Now, PayActive, I think, are a very interesting company. They're a mission-driven company, and we get into their mission in some depth in this show. But what basically what it's all about is earned wage access – this is where workers can get access to the, the money, the income, they have already earned. And you know, PayActive has a system. They work with employers to, uh, to enable that, to make that happen. And you know, Safwan talks about the early days of the company and how difficult it was to kind of get traction and, uh, and why it's suddenly becoming a, a hot topic. We also talk about the regulatory initiatives that they have taken and how the regulators feel about this. And we also look at the many other services they're offering To really, you know, really providing a a full suite of products to encourage financial wellness. It was a fascinating interview. I hope you enjoy the show. Welcome to the podcast, Safwan. Thank you. Thank you, Peter, for inviting me. My pleasure. So, I'd like to get these things started by starting on background and sort of talking a little bit about what you've done in your career to date uh, before you started PayActive.
1: So, uh, like most careers uh, that are more than 20 years long, there are a lot of things one has done. But I'll just you know, specify a couple of or highlight a couple of things. So right before PayActive, I wasn't doing anything. I'd taken some time off after the sale of my previous uh, payments and fintech company called Infonox. And by training, I'm uh, I'm an engineer. Uh, I guess. But Payments expert by experience. Uh, I've been in fintech uh, since 1999, uh, 2000, almost 20 years. By education, I'm, uh, my PhD was in aerospace engineering, and I shouldn't be judged on that. <laughs> and my, my, my master's was in computer engineering, and my undergrad was in electrical engineering. Kind of re- reflects my confusion at that stage of my life. So that's an, sort of a summary of my background in engineering by training, basically.
0: Okay, okay. So then, so you're engineering by training, but you, you, you've you decided to start this company that is, you know, it's 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 somewhat unique. And you start, because I know you started it at a time where I don't think anybody else was uh, was really doing much in the way of, uh, you know, of this sort of earned, earned income access. But, so tell us a little bit about, what was the idea that led to the founding of PayActive?
1: So to me, it was, it, it was an idea that came during a phase in my life where I wasn't doing anything. So let's say I had a lot of time to think. And uh, you know, when you have a lot of time to think, you do think about the human condition and what's going on. And I always, one of the thoughts that kept occurring to me and I'm talking 10 years ago, was that why is it that the richest country in the world has such a large pool of people living paycheck to paycheck? That, that term hadn't yet been coined.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: We were in the post-2009 timeframe, and I kept kind of wondering that what's going on here? What is, the sort of, what is the underlying issue here? And it is in that situation that this idea of pay-active occurred. struck me. Because the question I asked is that why is the richest country in the world, why does it have so many lower income people, cash strapped? And then finally dawned that it could be related to, you know, of course, the the divergence of uh, wages and productivity. But Mm -hmm. that, again, wasn't very clear. Uh, Credit was getting tighter. And if you recall uh, 10 years ago, 9 years ago, 8 years ago, we've seen this sort of tightening of credit. And uh, so when there is no credit and there's a growth of debit, I could see that one thing that the world had missed was the the sort of timing of pay when it comes to how people are paid. To me, that was a big blind spot that uh, nobody thought about because all credit, most credit, takes your income, expected income as one of the big variables. Mm -hmm. However, many people during that pay period during that two-week pay period were leaning on a they could get money from payday lenders online lenders and many people were paying late fees and overdrafts even those statistics were coming out so it suddenly dawned that we have missed one thing which is the timing of pay and the money is literally sitting there with the employers and the employees, at the same time when they need 100 or $200, are absorbing overdraft deficits and late fees to make ends meet. So the answer was somehow unlock that money, which is stuck there because it's not helping the employer per se in mm-hmm. very low interest rate environments. So why don't we get that money unlocked? And that was the genesis of the idea.
0: Okay, okay. So then, I mean, how how big of a problem is this? Like, do you have any stats on... What this, the fact that workers don't get access to their pay, I mean, how much that really costs them on average?
1: So one can safely assume that uh, when you are short of, you know, $20, 50 80 $100 between paychecks, and you are paycheck to paycheck, which means you do not have a buffer or savings and you do not have credit. So a small deficit can, A, it can lead to an overdraft. An overdraft typically is $35 the published stats in the US are 35 billion dollars in fees are charged in overdrafts every year so that's one number another number is the sort of payday lending industry if you're kind of desperate you end up leaning on a payday loan which is 200 300 dollars has a high fee to it that number in fees is about 6 to 7 billion dollars a year late fees is another 15 billion dollars a year Mm -hmm. a low balance fee charged by banks is about five six billion dollars a year when we aggregate these numbers and the center for financial services innovation cfsi now called financial health network they published every year this this data and the number in 2018 was 173 billion dollars in alternative financial services and i've already related of those numbers like overdrafts etc so now on a working population of about 150 million people in the u.s with more than 50 percent uh, cash strapped financially stressed paycheck to paycheck we're really talking about 75 million people paying about 150 billion dollars a year or more in various types of fees that's a two thousand dollars per person per year Loss of income, right, mm-hmm. or reduction in purchasing power. Because if you are making three, four thousand dollars a month, and one overdraft is thirty-five dollars, one late fee is thirty, forty, fifty, depending if it's your landlord who's charging you, it could be sixty. That's a pretty large sum of money, and that is. Ha- and the bills are always, as you know, Peter. They are. They come every day, while paycheck paychecks are batch processed. They come every two weeks or every month or every week. So this misalignment leads to serious reduction in purchasing power and uh, you know, accumulating of financial stress. So it's really about $200 a month, literally, uh, going to waste.
0: Right, right. Now that's, uh, and you know, that's, I've heard that many times that that's, you know, it's, it's very expensive to be poor because you have to, you pay all those fees. And, uh, and, uh, so, so anyway, I'm, I'm, I'm curious about the, the timing because, you know, you like, you, you started this company, it looks like in 2012. And I know we, we've had you speak at, at Lendit, uh, you know, a couple of times now, but, um, it seems like, this, this, this year, I know there's some regulatory things we'll talk about in a, little, in a little bit, but it feels like in the last 12 months, there's been a lot more attention paid to this space. And why do you think that is?
1: I think it takes time for the industry to realize, you know, this is the way it is. Typically, you go slowly for a little while and then suddenly people understand, and particularly in the case of uh, PayActive, because our model is business to business. And uh, businesses are thoughtful Mm buyers. There's consensus, there's discussion. So for the first two three years, if if I really look at the, in hindsight, the history of PayActive, we went live with our first customer, our first business in 2013, and I actually sat on the idea for two years before that, just thinking that uh, how do we kind of navigate through the various behavioural and other. Challenges we might face when we bring a product like this. But I was convinced that businesses was the way to go to it. So when, when we started in 2013, it wasn't that, you know, some business was looking for earned wage access. The term hadn't been coined. Uh, what they were trying, what they knew they were doing is they were giving advances to their employees who were in supposedly an emergency, and uh, employers and HR would uh, have programs to help their employees. And we arrived in that kind of marketer environment and with a particular customer. And the customer actually was in New Jersey. He, he kind of said, you know, I bring money every week to give advances to my employees. This could be an interesting way for me to not do that. Right. Right. So we said, OK, and that's how we started. And it wasn't easy. Peter. It took uh, the next two years. We had, you know, just a handful of businesses, various parts of the country, but all very sort of cutting-edge, uh, thoughtful, visionary HR leaders and pay- payroll leaders who chose us. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So it was a long journey in the first two, three years, and uh, somewhere around 2015, 2016, the New York Times wrote an article about, uh, about us. And I, I remember uh, that was kind of a watershed event in some ways, and then just a few weeks before that, I had spoken at um, Finnovate, Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the fintech conferences, and we were awarded best of show. And suddenly, people walked up to me and said, What is this? And uh, next week, uh, Barron's had an article about us. And Barron's doesn't target, you know, the a very specialized publication. And they, they kind of got to the bottom line that this is a change in, uh, this is like a change in the velocity of money. Right. If money moves faster, And then, you know, uh, for the next, I would say 2016, 2017 were uh, very thoughtful growth periods, and everybody was interested that what were we seeing in the data? And that time, Baton Rouge General Hospital was using us for a little while. And in 2017, we compiled all the data for about 20-odd companies over 18 months and shared it with some researchers at uh, Harvard Kennedy School. And they published, they analyzed the data, and boom, they discovered something which was very big, and that was that the employer that was offering this service was they had reduced their turnover by twenty, thirty, forty percent, and that was the eureka moment. I mean, it's good for the employer, and we knew it was good for the employee, but uh, for the employer, suddenly there was a huge business case.
0: Right, that's 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 really interesting. That uh, that, that that's is, you know, as I say, it's, it's a benefit that people really, really value. So, so let's, let's dig in. I want to just find out about how the system works. You said you really are a business-to-business company. So just talk us through how your system works.
1: So, A, we work through employers. So as we utilize already earned hours, so let's say there's a company, ABC Corp, who decides which decides to deploy pay active as a financial wellness benefit so we are a financial wellness benefit and they offer it to their employees so the employer offers it to their own employees we, we our agreement is with the business and uh, there are three types of guardrails in it first we use the hours already worked so it's not money that is not yet earned it is earned money and then the first guardrail is a portion of the earned money so it could be 30, 40, 50, 60, 70% of already earned hours. So if you work 50 hours, you can get 20 hours. So that's one guardrail, which is on um, how much of the money you've already earned you can access. The second guardrail is around the frequency of access. So, you know, you can do it every day. As long as you've earned it, you can do it. So what we have discovered over the last few years of doing this is that the need is more not ad hoc but it's a need it's a timely need it's not like clockwork every day people need money they need it once twice three times during a pay period but it can occur in a in a ram- random way imagine you're on a tightrope which is you know 10 feet long and it's not you don't know when exactly will you feel like you're about to you know fall off so life for cash strapped financially stressed people with no savings is like on a tightrope so whenever you feel unstable, that's when you need money. So that's the second thing we provide. We provide them sufficient frequency of access, and it's two, three, four times, but they can get it. And we've removed this issue that every time they access, they have to pay a fee. It's not like that. It's more like Netflix. Mm-hmm. Like once you've paid your $5 biweekly fee, you can use it multiple times. So that's another guardrail. And, um, finally the, the the entire model is not just about accessing money very early on we discovered that people when you ask them why did they take uh, you know 50% of their already earned wages of this 100 200 dollars they said they needed to pay a bill or they needed to deal with uh, something a car repair a daycare expense so what we did was we connected bill pay into our app mm. and we kind of broke it down into Four or five things. First one was get. Get means you can get money, you can take your hours, turn them into cash. So, yeah, right. So, we made time fungible and you could apply that money, and PayActive would take care of it. We could pay all your bills. So, we connected into the bill pay system just like a bank. Another thing we did was some people had bank accounts, some people had prepaid cards. Some people had you know, different needs. Some even needed cash immediately. So we solved all of them. For somebody who had a bank account, we ACH the money same day, next day. For somebody who had a prepaid card, any card, uh, Visa, MasterCard, debit card, we would instantly load money on it You know, so using Visa Direct and things like that. Mm-hmm. If somebody had, uh, we also launched our own Visa card. So we are program managers of our own card but we you, you don't mandate you use one card or the other. Whatever method they want the access, the format they wanted, we would move money, whether it's to a bank, to a card. And then a lot of people, uh, Peter, no surprise, right, don't even have bank accounts. The dilemma in the U.S. these days is financial exclusion. Right. Um, so, so many people who can't maintain a bank account, for them we did a, a deal with, with Walmart, and they just get a pin number. They can go to a Walmart store and pick it up in cash, twenty
0: four by seven. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I, I saw that. That's uh, that is a really great innovation, I think, for for that population. So, so then maybe tell us a little bit about who these people are. I mean, you mentioned the thirty five million people who live paycheck to paycheck. Are we talking about the minimum age worker or someone earning forty, fifty thousand dollars a year? And who are the who is the typical? User of the pay active.
1: So, it's it's a great question, and we've over the years formed a very good idea of who they are. They range from all the way from about seventy five to eighty thousand dollars a year down to thirty thousand twenty five to thirty thousand. The the poverty line in the U.S. is around twenty six twenty eight thousand dollars a year. Okay, Mm -hmm. so. Our users are, I wouldn't say, evenly distributed between 30 to, let's say, 75,000. They are mostly back in the, you know, up to $60,000 a year, so $5,000 a month. So, the first fallacy that exists is that these are, you know, desperate people. That is not accurate. These are, you know, regular people who just don't have savings. And uh, they're living paycheck to paycheck. And a small discrepancy, misalignment, a $50 gap can cause them to get into very, very difficult situations, you know, fee traps, debt traps, et cetera. So I would say somewhere between the $15 to $25 per hour range is the evenly distributed user base.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay, so then... I'm curious about the, you know, when you're, when you're selling this to an employer and, you know, obviously you said that you know, the, the, the retention rate um, becomes better for the employer, where are you finding pushback? I mean, what, what areas do, do employers think, well, their employees don't need this? I mean, what's, what's the pushback you get? So the pushback
1: is, you know, I always joke about it in some ways that I used to have a big whiteboard in my office called Fifty Shades of No. <laughs> and uh, over the over the years, the Fifty Shades of No has become much less. The biggest pushback in the early days was, you know, the, the just the fact that this is something new. And uh, one reaction was, and you can say it is rooted in paternalism. One reaction was, well, I didn't grow up like this. Waiting to get paid is very good. It mm-hmm. builds character. And mm-hmm. Somebody takes money between paychecks. So that used to be the pushback, and today also the pushback in many cases, is paternalistic, that it's a change from what employers are used to, but it's really not. There is really no major pushback other than the realization in most employers that it's not just about access to money. It is timely access to money, and it is all the other services that go with it. And the pushback now is, more like what else do you do? How is it financial wellness? And what are the other services? And that's where we are growing as well. like we've off, now we offer Uber and loading Amazon cash and you know things like that, savings programs, budgeting. So it's really reimagination of what a lower-income worker needs, and when you say that to the employer, they see the value of this. It's not just I make payroll faster. Right. That still has pushback.
0: Mm-hmm. Got it. Got it. So then, where do you make money? Is it you, you talked about this five dollar per payroll fee that the the end user pays, but does does the company pay something as well, or what are the how does the finances work?
1: So the companies do pay if they choose to. They don't have to. And in order to bring this service in operation, there is no upfront or setup cost to a business. There's no cost to the business. PayActive does all the heavy lifting. We are already partners with ADP, which is the largest payroll company in the country. We are partners with all the major payroll companies, either through APIs or through um, various types of file and other exchange mechanisms. We are also connected into all time and attendance systems, even big ones like Kronos. And so, so we work with Entire set of payroll companies, entire set of time and attendance companies. And those two, we take care of those expenses. The employer has no cost to pay us. Once we go live in a, in a business, the employer can choose to pay the $5 fee or half of it uh, because that fee is only applied if you use it. You know, unlike uh, you know, most subscription services, the if you don't use PayActive in a particular pay
0: period, you don't pay. Okay. Okay. That makes sense. That makes sense. So I, I want to switch gears a little bit and talk about regulation. You know, I've read that there is a, there's a bill um, in the state of California right now that's working its way through, that's talking about regulating you know, what you're doing. And there's also, you know, other states are jumping on board and and looking into what you're doing. Tell us a little bit about how how you're engaging with the regulators and what these, you know, what sort of their activities mean for you.
1: Yes. So the bill in California is called SB 472. And uh, I don't know if you're aware of that. Yep. Stay Active is the original sponsor of the bill. Mm-hmm. Okay. I wasn't and, aware of that. Uh, yeah. So uh, the way California is unique. In California, a company can sponsor the bill and then a particular senator or somebody can then introduce it to the Senate. Right. So SP-472 is actually a landmark bill. It is uh, completely, it covers all the aspects of an earned wage access type of a service. Uh, all the stakeholders have been involved. So different companies, you know, a dozen companies have uh, contributed after it was originally um, brought in. And there are three key elements to it. First, the overarching reason to have a bill is to bring clarity in the industry because this is a transaction or a transaction type which was unknown. You know, you can say that in this day and age, something got invented which no one knew existed before, yeah. and particularly in an industry where you know, lending and products like that are very well understood. It's kind of like a loanless loan. So in the bill, there are three types of caps to protect the consumer, which are in some ways inspired by the pay model, but not necessarily. For instance, we have even more conservative metrics, for instance, the amount you can access. So it's, you know, 50% of your uh, earned wages, uh, the fee that you can charge the, the bill mandates the fee, which is less than $15 a month, maximum. And uh, the frequency of transactions that you can do because they also want to avoid the addiction type of uh, issues which can happen when people use these type of systems. So the bill is very landmark. I think uh, our motivation to be involved in it was to bring clarity. There is a fundamental uh, challenge being faced by lower-income people. The biggest issue right now is that you know, we have three variables when it comes to wages. One is the level of salary, how much you're paid. And that's not something businesses can do much about, right? Or FinTech businesses business can choose to pay more or less, but I can't do anything about that. Mm-hmm. The second variable is the structure of pay or how you're paid, which is in taxation and uh, various, variable compensation. Again, a company like in FinTech can't do anything, but the timing of pay, is a definite variable which has not been used or when you are paid. So this bill actually brings clarity around how if people, if people access a certain amount of money between paychecks, when is it not a loan? That, that's the key question, right? At what point does it become a loan? Mm-hmm. Given this transaction is non-recourse, so for instance, if somebody accesses the money and doesn't, for some reason, that money does not come back to the provider, then there's no recourse secondly the fee the money the the the, the fee that is charged has no connection with the amount that is accessed so you know you pay five dollars not for the um the actual amount you access it's for a service so there are all kinds of things which require clarification Mm
0: -hmm.
1: and california is uh, leading the charge and we're very hopeful that uh, this bill will become the law very
0: soon Okay. Okay. Yes. That's uh, good luck on that one because I think it's. Uh, you know, I know that uh, the states move quicker than the federal government, and uh, hopefully that uh, that does move through, and other states take California's lead. But um, anyway, just moving along, I want to ask you about you. have been a B corporation for a while, and we were just talking before we started about the um, a public benefits corporation. So tell us what that means and and why you've uh, why you've taken that route.
1: So There's a little bit of sort of history or backstory to it. When when I started PayActive, I needed motivation or some sort of purpose to do it. And the purpose was that this company was meant to make a difference in the lives of cash-strapped, financially stressed people. So we had a purpose statement, which was to alleviate financial stress for lower-income hourly workers by providing them access. So it always had a motivation or a purpose. Mm-hmm. So we were looking for some way to make that part of our overall, you know, if, if it was in our individual DNA, we wanted it to be in the company's DNA as well. And we came across B Corps, which are B certified benefits corps. And about four years ago, three and a half years ago, we went ahead and uh, went through the test. And got certified with a very high score. And basically, the certification says that you have, you know, you consider people, profit, community, all those things as important aspects of your business. And since the work we do is very, is a lot about social responsibility, et cetera, it was great for us. After three years of being a B Corp, the requirement is that now you have to go and change your articles of incorporation and actually put it in, uh, you know, your, uh, articles, which means you get board approval, full transparency, etc. So we became a public benefit corporation, which is how you change your articles of incorporation a few months ago. And as a public benefits corporation, now we can again get certified by B Corp. So we are not only a B Corp, but a very mature, multi-year B Corp, and now a public benefits corp.
0: Okay, okay. So we're running out of time, but there's a couple more things I really want to get to. Firstly, is you know, give us some sense of the scale you're at. Um, like what, what sort of volume of advances are you doing right now?
1: So, we made an announcement last year that we've, done, uh, we've settled more than a billion dollars. And uh, this year, it should be easily several orders of magnitude more, or more maybe you know, higher than three. Okay. So that's a large amount of money which is moving you yeah. know one hundred and fifty two hundred dollars at a time, mm-hmm. and um, you know the money goes, money comes back so, so that's that's a big number. There was a report that came out from the It group which said that the industry is close to somewhere between fifteen to eighteen billion dollars a year right now, and um, it's growing I would say that we uh, simply you know just scratching the surface of this industry Mm -hmm,
0: mm -hmm. and you've also recently i watched your your movie i guess you call it that you made it's like i don't know 18 20 minutes long Um, very professionally produced and you've also written a book uh, which will link to both these things in the in the show notes here but so you really what what's the what's the reason to sort of taking this you know multimedia approach to your business
1: I think it's all about educating the users, the every kind of constituent. This is a fundamental change in how money moves. When you bring timing of pay, and you know, my book is called "It's About Time: How Businesses Can Save the World One Worker at a Time," and uh, the uh, the the video documentary is called "It's About Time," and it's a double entendre because it's it's about time we did something, and it's about the time, the the actual time. Because uh, Peter, the unit of work is time. Mm -hmm. And time is trapped in databases across the world. Putting a book out or a video documentary out is to A, highlight that there is a massive issue, a blind spot globally. And people during these periods where they are earning but not yet being paid in that drought of cash drought or money drought, they are leaning on a lot of very, very predatory products. Mm-hmm. It shapes our society. It shapes their lives. It shapes their children's lives. So if you want it and you need it, you should be able to access it. And to get that point across to the world, you know, multimedia, books. you know, I'll, I'll even climb up on a big mountain and, yell <laughs> and scream and say, please, for God's sake, do something.
0: Right, right. Okay, okay. So then, um, last question then. So what's coming down the track for PayActive? What, what are you working on now that we might see in the next, you know, you know 6 to 12 months?
1: So a lot of things. It's all about uh, helping people get money, pay for things on time, plan, save. And that's the journey. We are kind of becoming the, the bank for the underserved. We are not a bank, but we are the bank for the underserved. We're bringing a lot of services. We already have, you know, bill pay. We have an amazing savings tool, savings product. We have a prepaid uh, visa card. We have Uber directly uh, connected to us. You can call Uber from the app without having money in the bank, just for using your hours. Amazon cash is connected. So it's all about giving access. We want to provide access to affordable financial services that scale. And where that journey takes us, I don't know, but we want millions of people to enjoy the benefit of affordable financial services.
0: Okay, well, we'll have to leave it there. It's a noble cause, and I really I wish you all the best, Safwan, and thanks again for coming on the show today. Thank you very much, Peter. Thank you. Okay, see you. You know, I'm a big fan of the work that Safwan and his team at PayActive are doing, as well as other companies in the industry that, you know, I I truly believe that earned wage access, and I, I wrote about this on Lend Academy a couple of weeks ago, that earned wage access should be an option for every single employee in this country because, this is, you know, this is not a loan. It's not like you're taking something out that you haven't earned. This is just getting access to what you have already earned and getting access to it in an easy and convenient way. And if we're able to do that, I think the the payday lending industry, the the, you know, the bank overdraft industry, they would shrink dramatically. And I think uh, companies like PayActive are really doing a great job at enabling these you know, people who are living paycheck to paycheck them to get to get money when they need it. Anyway, on that note, I will sign off. I very much appreciate you listening. And I'll catch you next time. Bye. Today's episode was sponsored by LendIt Fintech USA, the world's largest fintech event dedicated to lending and digital banking. It's happening on May 13th and 14th, 2020 at the Javits Center in New York. Lending and banking are converging and LendIt Fintech immerses you in the most important trends of the day. Meet the people who matter, learn from the experts and get business done. LendIt Fintech, lending and banking connected. Go to LendIt.com USA to register.